Elhamdülillahi ve kefâ. Vesselamun alâ ibâdihillezîne astafâ. Amma ba'd. Fe'audu billâhi mineşşeytânirracîm. Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Vellezîne câhedû fînâ. Lenehdiyennehum subulana. Subhâne rabbika rabbil izzeti emmâ yasifûn. Vesselamun alâl mursalîn. Velhamdülillahi rabbil âlemîn. اللهم صل على سيدنا محمد وعلى آل سيدنا محمد وبارك وسلم اللهم صل على سيدنا محمد وعلى آل سيدنا محمد وبارك وسلم اللهم صل على سيدنا محمد وعلى آل سيدنا محمد وبارك وسلم when a person wants to progress on the path to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala it's important to remember that there are two primary ways by which a person makes progress. There are two primary ways by which a person makes progress. The first is the most obvious, which is that when a person wants to make progress, they have to make effort. And those efforts can arise in a myriad of different ways. For example, a person wants to make progress in the deen, so they make an effort to come to the masjid regularly because that was the sunnah of the Prophet So this is an effort that a person makes. And when they make an effort, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives them a great reward. Just like we're aware that if a person prays at home, they receive a certain award, a uh, certain reward. And if a person prays in congregation in the masjid, that that reward is multiplied many-fold. And when we say that that reward is multiplied many-fold, yes, it's rewarded in our Book of Deeds many-fold, but also beyond that, the spiritual effect is also many-fold. So for example, if I pray at home, I get X reward and I get X spiritual benefit. And if I pray in the masjid, I get multiple of X reward and I get multiples of X spiritual benefit. So we as people who are trying to progress towards Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, we have a responsibility to try to identify every single way in which we can make progress to Allah, every single effort that we can make, and we should try to put our energy, time, motivation in that direction. So this is the first way by which we make progress towards Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and this is the obvious way. I think everybody in this room is aware of that, and we're constantly trying to um, make efforts in that direction. There's also a second way. The second way by which a person makes progress to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, or towards Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, is if they undergo difficulties. Now, interestingly, this one is not under our control. We have no control. We cannot say when we want a difficulty to come, when we want a difficulty to leave. It is a natural part of the challenge of being a Muslim, and in fact, the natural part of the challenge of being a human being, that challenges, difficulties, stress, um, circumstances, they will arise. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala always benefits the believer through their difficulties. In fact, we know, for example, and all of you are aware, that when a believer is pricked with a thorn, 
even the prick of the thorn is beneficial for the believer so long as they exhibit patience. Now, that basically means that we have two ways by which we progress, as I started with. The first way is through our efforts, and the second way is through the challenges that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and the tests and trials that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala places before us. Efforts are difficult to do but easy to understand. The challenges, sometimes we misunderstand a little bit about the nuances of these challenges. And so today I just wanted to spend a few minutes before we do our dhikr, I wanted to spend a few minutes just talking about some aspects concerning the different tests and trials that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala bestows upon the believer. First and foremost, trials and tribulations, they come and they are part of life. Every person in this room will experience trials and tribulations, and every person in this room will experience different trials and tribulations. That is the nature of life. We cannot avoid it. One general principle, however, is that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala recognizes that our shoulders can only bear so much. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala does not burden a soul more than it can bear. So one way by which we can try to decrease the challenges that come upon us, because challenges can be very difficult, one way by which we can decrease the challenges that come upon us is to increase our efforts towards deen, particularly towards the service of other people for the sake of deen. Let me just give you a simple analogy. If my shoulder has the ability to bear 10 responsibilities, and I put 11 responsibilities on my shoulder, then it's less likely that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will send a test upon me because there's no more space for my shoulder to carry that test. So what that means is that the Muslim who's making effort towards Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala generally tries to keep themselves busy, both with their own routine, but even more importantly, in the service of others. Because if I'm busy with my routine and I maintain my routine and I'm busy in the service of others and doing the service of institutions and organizations and you know the general goals of deen, I then fill the spaces on my shoulder with various responsibilities and there will be no more space. And if there's limited space, then of course the challenges only have limited room in which they can create additional weight on our shoulders. So this is one way by which we reduce the burden of challenges. Better to, keep ourselves, better to fill our own shoulders rather than to have things come on our shoulders, put it that way. The second way by which we reduce the burden of our challenges is by giving sadaqah. Every moment, numerous challenges are, befall, are falling from the heavens onto the earth. Every moment there's numerous challenges. And you know that actuarial sciences can give you this data. Every 36 seconds, a car is stolen. Or I, and I'm not saying that this is the number. I'm just saying, giving you an, as, as an example that every 36 seconds, a car is stolen. Every 20 seconds, this happens. Every 10 seconds, that happens. You know, every so many minutes, there's a fire, whatever it might be. We know that. These are measurable phenomena that every certain number of seconds, there's a challenge that arises and hits humanity. And it's probably in the milliseconds when you look at all of humanity. But one thing that we also appreciate is that um, the Prophet ﷺ said, Badiru bis sadaqa, be quick and consistent and regular in giving sadaqah. Because verily calamities, they don't penetrate sadaqah. Verily calamities, 
They don't penetrate sadaka. So another way by which we reduce the trials and tribulations and the calamities that fall upon our shoulders is by being consistent and regular and giving sadaka. Now, the reason that I highlight the need to remove challenges and you know, trials and tribulations is because they are, trials and tribulations are a very difficult way to progress. It's a very difficult challenge on a human being to undergo trials and tribulations. It's much easier to just serve than to undergo these kind of trials and tribulations. However, however, even if we do A and B, even if we keep ourselves busy, and even if we you know, are consistent in Salaka and do a few other things, which I, I don't have the time to go into right now, there is no doubt that challenges, trials, tribulations, they will still arise. That is just the nature of life, and that is also the nature of deen. Sometimes Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tests us by giving us space and sees what we do with our free time, with our wealth, with our energy. And at other times, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will test us with trials and tribulations to see how we respond. Now, when a person undergoes trials and tribulations, it's important to recognize how should we respond? What is the way by which we can benefit? Because every trial and every tribulation, um, it is going to cause difficulty upon us. And based on whether or not we exhibit patience or sabr, we will either benefit or we will not. Is that clear? So for example, if there's going to be a trial or tribulation that's going to come upon my shoulder, it's coming. It's going to hit me. I've done the best I can to avoid it, but it's going to hit me. Once it, hit me, once it hits me, there's only two possibilities. Number one, I bear it with patience, and when I bear it with patience, I get advanced and I receive a reward. Or number two, I don't bear it with patience, but no matter what I do, say, or try to, or however, how I try to avoid the circumstance, it's not going to go away regardless. I'll give you an example in a minute. Now, just to highlight how we're supposed to handle these trials and tribulations, I want to share with you two circumstances that highlight, number one, the way by which we handle the trials and tribulations, and number two, the potential reward that arises in the circumstance of a trial and tribulation. So let's start with number one. First of all, trials and tribulations are unavoidable to some extent. I told you how we can um, manipulate the, the frequency, but they're, they're, it's still unavoidable. And so we have to recognize that when we undergo a trial or tribulation, it's normal for a person to feel the pain in their heart. And there's nothing wrong with that. It's even normal for a person to shed tears. And there's nothing wrong with that. The problem arises, or the loss of the opportunity, let's say, the loss of the opportunity arises if a person begins to complain. So the number one thing that can never occur when a person undergoes trial or tribulation is that they cannot complain. The second thing that has to occur in the face of a trial and tribulation is that instead of complaining, they have to praise their Lord. And if they do these two things, number one, avoid complaints, and number two, praise their Lord, that trial or tribulation will be a great source of advancement for them, such that they will be able to achieve that which, would, that which would, they would not have been able to achieve through their own efforts. That's one of the blessings of a trial and tribulation, is that sometimes we want to get to a point in our deen, and we're not able to achieve that because we don't have the ability to make that kind of effort. And so Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala 
puts us through a trial or tribulation to take us from A and to get us to B. I'll give you a simple example. Although it's not simple, it's very serious, but it's just a, an example. As you know, the Prophet ﷺ was one of the people who historically underwent tremendous trials and tribulations. Tremendous trials and tribulations. One of those trials and tribulations would crush us. Yet the Prophet ﷺ consistently went through numerous trials and tribulations that even as a community we would never be able to bear. On one occasion, the Prophet ﷺ's son was, infant son, was on his deathbed. Now just imagine an infant son, you know, on their deathbed, and the Prophet ﷺ was holding his child in these last moments. When the child passed away, the Prophet ﷺ began to weep. Of course, the Prophet ﷺ began to weep. The, there was one of the companions was, uh, was near the Prophet ﷺ at that time, Abdul Rahman ibn Auf, and he, uh, an, and he said to the Prophet ﷺ, like, kind of in a, in, in a way, like, what are these tears? What are these tears? Like, what, what are these tears? Like, how can there be tears? You know, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala decided this, so we should, it should just, there should be no tears. So the Prophet ﷺ said that this is mercy. The Prophet ﷺ said, this is mercy. The heart hurts. This is the Prophet ﷺ speaking, and I'm roughly paraphrasing. The heart hurts, and the eyes shed tears, but the tongue remains praising Allah. The tongue remains praising Allah. And then the Prophet ﷺ began to weep even more. Now, what do we learn from this? First of all, as a separate um, issue, you know, we, we, have to, we have to appreciate the, the trials and tribulations that the Prophet ﷺ and the Sahaba uh, bore on their shoulders in order for us to be able to, to learn our deen. But putting that aside for a moment, what we learn from this particular circumstance is that trials and tribulations come upon even the people who are pious. If they're going to come upon the Prophet ﷺ, then they're definitely going to come upon us. Who are we? We ask Allah to reduce the load, and we ask Allah to reduce the severity of the load, but it's, not, it's, it's unavoidable. Now, when a trial and tribulation comes, it's going to be natural. It is natural that a person will feel a prick or a, or a sting in their heart. That is not avoidable. That is natural. That is the natural human reaction to a difficulty. If it's extreme, it's natural that the person will actually shed tears. And maybe shed tears for a period of time. However, however, in order to maintain the benefit that arises from a trial and tribulation, the one thing we can never do is to complain about the circumstance. We must actually keep our tongues praising Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Now just think about this. If a person loses their child, and, and I haven't undergone this tribulation, but you can ask people who have, no matter how much they speak about it, the pain doesn't go away. It's not like if a person undergoes a trial and tribula or tribulation, let's just say that I undergo some trial or tribulation, just because I complain about it, I tell everybody about it, I keep talking about it, that doesn't make the pain go away. It doesn't make the trial go away. It doesn't remove the difficulty. 
That is not going to change. That is going to stay because it's time that heals. But what's lost if a person complains is the enormous rewards that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has, has prepared for the person who exhibits patience. So we should be wise. And I know it's difficult. I know it's very difficult when, when there are circumstances where you just want to get up and say something or you just want to complain about something because it might feel like it's the only way to release the stress. But we have to remember that no matter how much our, our, our hearts hurt, no matter how much tears are flowing from the eyes, the only thing that should ever flow from the tongue is the praise of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Inna lillahi wa inna ilayhi raji'un. Or alhamdulillah, this is what Allah decided. That is, a, that is a necessity by which we then are able to take advantage of the trials and tribulations because we cannot let a trial or tribulation come and then we waste it by complaining or by wanting to tell everybody, you know, to have sympathy for me. We must constantly just praise Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala because that is the only way we're going to benefit from it. And better to not let that trial or tribulation just go to waste, but why not leverage it and take maximum opportunity? Now, just to highlight the importance of this patience and the benefit that can be associated with this patience, there's another circumstance in which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, this is in Tirmidhi, the first exa story or example that I gave you was in Bukhari, this one's in Tirmidhi. But um, in this particular instance, what happens is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala commands for a um, parent to lose their child. Any parent, just, just you know, a, a, a general principle. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala commands for this child's life to be taken and then ask the angels in this circumstance, ask the angels the following questions. And again, I'm paraphrasing. Number one, did you take the life of the child of my servant? First question. Did you take the life of the child of my servant? And the angels respond in the affirmative. Question number two. Did you take the fruit of the heart of my servant? Did you take the fruit of the heart of my servant? Which is what? Which is in reference to that child. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is acknowledging that that child in this particular circumstance is the fruit of the heart of that servant, is the apple of their eye, is everything that that person's heart revolves around. Just imagine the love that a parent has for their child. And so the angels again reply in the affirmative. And then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala asks a third question. What did my servant say? What did my servant say? And now the angels reply, your servant um, praised you and said, inna lillahi wa inna ilayhi raji'un. And then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, uh, says, be my witness. I have a, uh, appointed a house for this person in paradise. And the name of this house is Bayt al-Hamd, the house of praise. Now, look what's happening in this circumstance. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is testing a servant by taking the apple of their eye, by taking 
the fruit of their heart. By taking that thing which meant so much to them. And the person exhibits the patience, patience to the degree that when they have to respond to that, they don't complain. They don't say, I wish this would have happened. I wish that would have happened. They don't say, how come this happened? How come that happened? They don't say, what if this would have happened? What if that would have happened? They just say, Alhamdulillah. Alhamdulillah, I know that this is from my Lord. Because no one can harm except that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala writes that for the person the ability to harm. And no one can help except that Allah permits that person to help. So, I, so the person praises their Lord and says, Inna lillahi wa inna ilayhi raji'un. And based on that, look at the maqam that they attain. They attain a house in Jannah, which is labeled Baytul Hamd. I mean, we, that's what we're trying to do. What are we making all our effort for? All of the effort that we make is to get to Jannah. This person made their effort, made their effort, made their effort, got to a certain point. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala des desired for this person to get to that next point, which would allow a house for them in Jannah. And in his infinite wisdom, he put this person through a trial. And based on that trial, appoints a house for them in Jannah and labels it the house of praise. SubhanAllah. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala always knows what's best for the believer. Look, you think that in the day, on the day of judgment, or even when the person gets to the grave, or when the person eventually gets to Jannah, they're going to remember even an iota of the pain that they experienced? No. They will not even be able to remember that they experienced that pain. This is a temporary world. The feelings that we feel, they're temporary. They disappear. In fact, we know that one moment in Jannah, according to Hadith, one moment in Jannah erases all the difficulties that anyone could have ever undergone in, this, in the life of this world. One moment in Jannah. What about the house in Jannah and the time the person's going to spend in that house? When Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sends a trial upon us, it is usually because we've gotten to a point where we cannot advance except through that trial. Allah always decides what's best for us. And it makes, it behooves us that when we undergo those circumstances, we appreciate that I am trying to get to Jannah. I want to be able to experience my Lord in Jannah. I want the reward of a believer in Jannah. I am making effort, but my effort can only take me so far. Allah in his infinite mercy made a decision to test me. And it's based on that test that I'll be able to enter into Jannah. It's in the Quran as well. You know, do you think that you'll enter, enter Jannah when those trials that have taken the people, uh, that shook the people before haven't yet, you know, shook you? And no one can avoid it. None of us in this room, if we really want Jannah, and we really want the most that we're able to attain from our Lord, none of, this, none of us in this room will ever be able to avoid some degree of trial, some degree of tribulation. It might come in wealth. 
It might come in relationships. It might come in, the, in our honor. It might come through death. It might come through sickness. It might come through illness. Everybody has a different trial. Everyone does. I mean, subhanAllah, when you interact with people in the world, you see this. You see that some people are living one way and then all of a sudden everything changes and they have to live another way. A person's healthy, coming to the masjid, and all of a sudden they're unhealthy and they're not, you know, they, they have to undergo this trial in a different way. There's no exceptions. Life is but a test. Everyone is tested. You know, let me just ask you something. If somebody said to you, I go to a college and there's no tests in my college, you would say you're a liar. What are you talking about? You go to college, there's no test in college? Every college has a test. By definition, you have to have tests. Otherwise, it's not school. It doesn't happen that there's never a test. Now, yes, sometimes a test is pass-fail. Sometimes a test is graded on a curve. Sometimes a test is easy. Sometimes a test is harder. Sometimes it's a quiz. Sometimes it's a final exam. But there's going to be tests. If somebody tells you that they are, they're not undergoing tests, it's not possible. And similarly, we have a natural habit to think that I'm being tested and everybody else is fine. How come the tests are coming on me and everybody else is just celebrating and enjoying and living up a, a life and you know, only the tests come on me? It's, that's deception. That's shaitan. That's shaitan trying to make us complain in the face of our tests. That's what Shaitan's trying to do. He's trying to convince us. You know, he makes us very myopic. We just become very near nearsighted. We just begin to see like, oh, this guy looks fine. And this guy looks fine. And this person seems to be happy. And this person looks like they're just living it up. And it's only me. It's only me. I'm the one that's being tested. And Allah doesn't test anybody else now. That's totally Shaitan. Everybody on this planet cannot ex escape except being tested in some way or another. Some people are tested with wealth. Some people are tested with constraint. Everybody's tested in a different way. And believe, you know, we, we, should, we know and we believe that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will rectify everybody in the best way on the day of judgment. So it behooves us to not think that the grass is greener on the other side. It's a natural reaction to think that everybody, you know, everybody has this and I don't. Everybody's, you know, never got tested and I'm the only one that got tested. Grass always looks greener on the other side. Then when you get to the other side, then you think that the, you know, where I was, oh, now I came here, so now it doesn't look green anymore. It doesn't work that way. It doesn't work that way. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala desires only what is best for the believer. This is absolute fact. When a person takes shahada, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala only desires what's best for the believer. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wants to forgive the believer, wants to make any excuse possible for the believer to get into Jannah. Allah wants us to be in the home which he has created for us. That is Allah's desire for us. And he has created every excuse, every excuse in the deen to allow us to achieve that goal. From making tawbah and istighfar, the easiest things on the planet. Person just has to feel a little bit of guilt, a little bit of shame, and Allah forgives sins. And by creating circumstances that the believer does not understand, but by which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala allows the believer to grow, develop, and earn an enormous reward. Now, who are we to complain? 
Who are we to ever say anything bad about Allah's decree? Because we, again, you have to, we have to have this central dominant principle in our mind. Allah always wants what's best for the believer. So who are we to complain if we lose a job? Who are we to complain if something doesn't work out the way we wanted it to work out? Who are we to complain if I wasn't able to get that house and somebody else bought it? Who am I to complain if I, if I became sick and I'm not able to do what I, what I was able to do at one time? Everybody, that's just Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's mercy upon us. The only thing that we achieve by complaining, there's only one guarantee that I can say that arises from complaining. And that is that we lose the reward that Allah was trying to give us. The opportunity that Allah created for us. Because once a person begins to complain, that whole calamity went to waste. The calamity is not going to go away. If a person has back pain, no matter how much they complain, the back pain is not going away. You know, if a person underwent, a, 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 has a sickness or lost a child, no matter how much they complain, that child's not coming back. It's not going to happen. But if they praise Allah, they continue to worship Allah, they show their great gratefulness to Allah, they acknowledge that this is a test from Allah, then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala provides them with a reward that no soul can ever imagine. That no soul can ever imagine. And unfortunately, that's the reality of life. We want Jannah. I mean, you know, if I, it's very simple. The equation of Islam is very simple. You know, we do everything that we do so we can get back to the home where we once were. Everything that we do is to get back to the home where we once were. When we're in Jannah, there's no more death. There's no more suffering. There's no more trials. There's no more tribulation. There's no even effort. We don't even have to make effort. We don't have to undergo trials. It's just Allah's bounty and magnificence and a constant ability to, to celebrate it and to, um, and to be showered with it. So we, number one, should make every effort possible to advance in our deen. We, number one, should make every effort possible to advance in our deen, which basically means we take our time, we take our energy, we take our drive, we take our ambition, we take all the characteristics that Allah bestowed upon us, our wealth, and we apply it to deen. We fill our shoulders with as much responsibility as, it, as they can bear. And then, once we've filled our shoulders, we wait and wait and recognize that there may come a time in which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will place a trial or tribulation upon us. And when that trial comes, the heart may hurt. The heart may hurt. And usually it does. And the, and the eyes may cry. And often they do. But the tongue should always remain praising Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Should always remain grateful to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And the mind should understand that this test is only for my own benefit. That through this test, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wants to give me something that I would have never been able to achieve myself. That through this test, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wants to advance me in a way that my efforts would have never allowed me to do. And that through this test, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will give me something so great that I'll never be able to even remember what difficulties I underwent in the past. So that's the reality of our test trials and tribulations. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make us amongst those who are able to 
um, leverage the test. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala protect us from test trials and tribulations. May he make us patience, patient when they are to arise. And may he make us amongst those who are able to take advantage and leverage those circumstances. Wa <laughs> Salawat. <laughs>